It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. As indicated by the music, it is another Articles of News episode. I promise there are interviews are coming, including uh, a wonderful chat that I had with uh, Al Fox Carraway. She's She says, uh, I'm the only one who still calls her Al Fox. So look forward to that. It's just her and I in the really early morning, uh, just catching up on life with one another. But she is the most frequented guest here in the Cultural Hall. So that's an upcoming episode. I talk with my friend Carrie Muelstein from down at uh, at the BYU. We talk about uh, walking the covenant path, uh, a new, uh, he calls it a booklet. I call it a pamphlet that is coming out. Um, but you can you can find out about uh, how to walk the covenant path. Or We call it a tract. Attract. Uh, see, you could, you could. Uh, we we took uh, an uh, a unreasonable amount of time discussing <laughs> what it is. Now I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> is it a pamphlet? Is it a booklet? Is it a tract? I think that if you're worried about that, you have missed the point. So, look forward to that interview, uh, among others as well. Visiting with uh, uh, a woman who has left our faith as a, an opportunity for us to kind of learn more about how we might be able to better treat those who leave. Um, so that's another episode that's coming up. She's a very talented musician and she has written a song about her kind of faith transition. And so we will share that music and that's coming up. Oh, and, and Mr. Mayor. Ooh. For, for the month of December, 2022. So if you're listening to this in the future, this does, you no good, but for the month, of 2022's December, you can get in and be a Patreon saint for just $4 a month. Ooh, that's good. That's a great deal. Now and here. you get to see us live. Well, not live. You get to see the video of us doing articles of news and other other videos. Yeah, and you get to be a part of the uh, Patreon Saints group on Facebook, which only Patreon Saints are hanging out in. And you get to know that your money supports the cultural hall so that it can continue 650 episodes plus that's more than three weeks of my life. If you listen to it continuously, four bucks, that's not too much. Plus it gives you great access to the, you know, the back catalog. It's sort of cumbersome if you want to listen to the back catalog otherwise, but four bucks a month, $48 a year. I don't know why you wouldn't do it, but let me say this about that. If you're a $5 a $10 or a $25 tier, I know that it's less expensive if you went to the $4 tier. Don't do that. You've been just doing keep, five, you've been keep, doing keep five it on. I appreciate it. Just just keep keep your path. This is to entice people that have not stepped in as Patreon saints yet. So 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 I mean, I obviously can't stop you, but I would encourage you not to do that. What's new with you? Oh, just I I think uh just trying to get back moving through the stages of the different foods I can eat, which is Actually learned about what's called dumping syndrome in the last dumping syndrome. Can we talk about this here? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it's not bad. It's um <laughs> all it is 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 that when too much food moves through your stomach too fast and hits your intestines, mm -hmm. you can you, it just like your energy drops, you have fatigue, and you, I get like it's it's like I uh it's actually feels like COVID for a minute. Interesting. It, you get like a brain fog, it's it, kind of dizzy. Yeah, it, it, I learned about it harshly on Monday, and okay. it lasted for a little longer than I, you know till yesterday. So, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better today. But I, just because I was transitioning into some new types of food and probably overdid it and ate too quickly, so that's one of the things I'm learning mm -hmm. is eating more meals a day in smaller portions and taking a longer time to eat those meals mm -hmm. is very important. And even though I've read that multiple times over the last few months in different things. It took the experience of not doing it. <laughs> yeah. My mom always used to say, I, I, use, I, I usually would have to touch the pan to learn that it's hot. Mm. <laughs> and and that, that pan can kill you, Mr. Mayor, so please yeah. be careful. Yeah, so uh, I, I had a fun fun last two days. In fact, when you said, hey, do you want to do news? I was in the middle of it, and I thought, I'm going to say yes, because I'm expecting to feel better in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I hope I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look but good. I do. You Thanks. look good. I I liked you before. I like you now. I hope it's. I hope you're getting every bit of the experience. I th I thought every all the Patreon saints will like me more. I was like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so uh, just a quick brief experience, and we'll get into some news. We got lots of news. That's why we're doing news again, everybody. Lots of news. Um, 
the uh, the studio that is the home studio that is where I am recording this particular episode. Two things that are cool. One, uh, new piece of equipment. So if I sound different, it's because we're rocking a new piece of equipment. So that's exciting. Thank you, Patreon Saints, for helping uh, a portion of that. Uh, the other thing is, is in this very seat of which I sit right here today, yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, David Neeleman sat in this seat. Do you know who that is? I don't. So uh, he, uh, a long time ago, if you remember Morris Air. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So he was part of the the uh, group that started Morris Air. And then uh, have you heard of a little airline called JetBlue? Yes. Yeah. So now he, I recognize the name, actually. And uh, Azul and Breeze Airways. He is an innovator and a disruptor and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He sat in my chair and was interviewed for an episode of Freakonomics. If you've ever heard of that podcast, uh, it's also a radio show as well. Um, so he came in. Here's the thing: it's also that, a book, and yeah, a, also a book and a documentary. Yep, it's it's a bajillion things. He's obviously not a part of the documentary or the book. Yeah, those are about ten, and fifteen podcast. years old. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that I found to be most fascinating about him, uh, and I'll touch this on a very high level because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but you know how like we um, we we make the covenants of like, hey we're going to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That, that's a guy who is doing it. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. He's a, you know, he's a, a multimillionaire making, you know, airlines. What is that? To hear him talk about like the jobs, the thousands and thousands of jobs that he has brought to the country of Brazil and that's the awesome. millions and millions of opportunities that he is providing for people to be able to afford to go and see things that they otherwise would have not been able to see. And that's not just with the thing he's doing down in Brazil, like these places in, in uh, the United States where people wouldn't be able to travel because their local airport can't get to this other random local airport, but he recognizes a need creates a, a flight path and all this stuff and, and being able to do it that way. Now, maybe I'm duped. Maybe he's slick and all that stuff. And I just bought into everything, but I don't think so. I think it's just a guy who he's like, listen, I just, I love people. And the difference sounds like you didn't interview him. He was interviewed on a, you just facilitated that interview. Is that right? Yeah. You just used my studio and I had to be here. You didn't have to, I guess you could open the door and say, try it yourself. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) Have Have a good time. Let me know if you'll run into any issues. No. uh, When, when people pay to rent out your studio, they expect you to engineer the session. Oh, I, I, I get, I, I guess so. So I put on my engineer's cap and I went doot, doot, and did the session. So anyway, a stand-up guy, unreal, served his mission in Brazil. And that's part of why he is so passionate about down there. But, Which of the 15,000 missions in Brazil did well, he serve in? So he's an older gentleman. So it would have been like one of two or three oh, people, okay. probably. But you're right. Yeah, it seems like there's a ton in Brazil. Well, and in, uh, you know, South America, as we'll come up hearing in the temple ticker, which will be the third block of this episode, lots of locations of uh, temples announced. The temples themselves, sometimes the headlines are a little misleading. They're like, temple announced, and you're like, wait, something outside of General Conference? Like the Ephraim Utah Temple? No, it's just the locations nah. have been announced. So there is one more thing. There is one more thing. Um, today is this, well, Today, when we're recording this, not when we release it. No, when it'll release this, today. It'll release, it will release today. today. Okay. Uh-huh. Today is the very first day of December, uh-huh. which means I start a daily post. And this month, this time, this year, they're all going to be about Christmas carols. Three of them will be will turned into hear hymns that we'll do um, on the, the cultural hall. And today, I'm going to start with today. So today's hear him is about. Oh, holy night. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to that. And we'll do that at the end of us talking before we take a break and get into the temple ticker. So uh, that's coming up. Oh, holy night. I hope you, you're not going to sing, are you? No. Good. No. I, 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 I wish I could play a, like an instrumental version behind all these hymn, hear hymns. Mm-hmm. But th- likely, unless I like just found some free source that they usually don't sound that good to get anything good and nice. We'd have to pay for it. And I don't want to put you in that position. So I, I, I would make you pay for it. But also, uh, <laughs> you can get us a little MIDI version, you know. Yeah. Found <laughs> it out. Gross. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do actual articles of news. 
Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of Articles of News, we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. Uh, Interesting. Let's start here. If you haven't followed the old Stanford band, the... uh, this is so ridiculous. Stanford, BYU, they're playing football this last Saturday. And uh, the band, they decided at the halftime they were going to do a skit, which, I mean, questionable. I I wonder how... I've never seen marching bands do skits, but well, okay. Or, or like skits anymore at halftime, right? Yes. Like this to me, this idea is sort of foreign to me. Like the mascot out there, you know, shooting a can in the t-shirts, sure. The marching band performance, all right. You know, they're making shapes. They're making Michael Jackson and moonwalking. Way to go, The Ohio State University. But a skit was performed. Um, It's officially known, by the way, as the Leland Stanford Junior University Marching Band. Uh, It showcased a pair of women who were married to each other with the program's announcer using terms and phrases from the sacred temple ceremonies within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, this article then refers I wonder to, where they got that information because it's not all over the internet. Well, and the other thing is, and, and this is why it's so surprising to some, like the, uh, the quarterback of Stanford is LDS. His name's Tanner. Yeah. Reed. Several players and a couple coaches on Stanford are also LDS. Uh, the, this article that calls us the church of Latter-day Saints, uh, which <laughs> Anytime they like the name is like the lowest bar for me. It's like yeah. get the name right, and then just just once the story can have yeah some credibility. Yeah. You don't have uh, to say it every time you talk about us in the story. Just just the first time, then you can do whatever LDS or Church of whatever you want to do. So it was called Gay Chicken. That was what they called the skit. Which to me, like if I'm if I'm uh, administrator at Stanford and I'm like, hey, we're looking for approval of a thing called gay chicken. Like to me, I immediately go, eh, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe we should. But, we should, yeah. but you know, they didn't. Uh, they used the language from the temple ceremony, which I would argue maybe a little bit like time and all eternity. I mean, that's sort of that's sort of low level. Like they could have been a lot more specific. As far yeah, as they, they said a few do. things like multiply and replenish the earth and yeah, things. Yeah. But again, those are, I mean, the, I didn't hear them say anything that wasn't, like you couldn't find somewhere else. Well, outside. sure, 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 sure. Um, so the Leland Stanford Junior, Junior University Marching Band has a long history of lighthearted and satirical halftime performances. Unfortunately, this is their message, by the way. Some of the language that was used in Saturday's halftime show did not reflect Stanford University's values of religious freedom and diversity, inclusion, and belonging. The Leland Stanford Junior University Marching Band, LSJUMB, deeply regrets that this performance caused offense to spectators and the halftime performance review and approval process is being adjusted to ensure that issues like this do not occur again. So, okay, they're not going to do it again. It wasn't... The, the the more offensive thing to me is that it wasn't funny. Yeah, I agree. You know, it wasn't funny at all. And and I'm not saying that from a, a bias like, oh, it just wasn't funny. No, I mean, I I'm usually pretty open about <laughs> what, yeah. making fun of, uh, you know, Mormons, Latter-day Saints or members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. See, yeah. I just made fun of us. Yeah. I, listen, I'm all on board if it's a little bit funny, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, but offensive in two ways. Like I love um the the song from Book of Mormon musical, mm-hmm. I believe. Oh yeah. One of, one of the best send-ups of <laughs> of our beliefs. With and it's it and what's funny is 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 they, they just do it so well. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's true. Sure. And 
it can be kind of offensive, even while I'm laughing at it. There's part of me that gets kind of almost like a punch in the gut a little bit like, yeah, that's kind of true. You know, mm-hmm. so um, that is done well. This was not. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing that's interesting uh, about uh, the Book of Mormon musical for me, especially in those times that are true and people are laughing, like I just am like, like some of the time, some of the thing that gets me offended is I'm like, well, wait, why is this? any more and maybe this is the wrong way of looking at it why is this any more ridiculous than anything else yeah i saw uh, there's a ted talk with uh oh, she's from saturday Night live what's her name um julia sweeney mm-hmm. julia sweeney and she starts off, and in it she she starts off by because some mormon missionaries came to her house and starts talking about it and she starts kind of going through this and and it and and when she realizes she was kind of laughing at what they're teaching her then she turned it on her on her own catholic beliefs which she grew up catholic and 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 did the same thing back and, and basically her whole point was that she didn't really think religion was val- <laughs> valuable sure, sure, anyway sure. but but the the idea that you know you know catholic beliefs if you really look at them are just as crazy as ours if you're just looking at them from a non-spiritual non if you're not you just know, a from faith, a non-faith faith-based yeah. look at it, it looks crazy. So I I I realize that sometimes we look crazy. And you know what the worst part about it is? What's is that, that pretty soon I'm not going to be able to bathe my sorrows in a lion house roll. Did you see this? I did. Well, I saw that. And I that was one of mine that I was going to talk about too. But I please tell me. Oh no, I just the the church or the church is going to be. I think it's five years. No, is it five years? I just uh, it won't we open until 2025. So three that's years. what it was. Three years. Open in 2025. That's where I got this thing. But yeah, they're they they have to update uh, the the mechanical. I mean, I guess it's an outdated um mechanical stuff. Their HVAC is is outdated. And the electrical so, and the plumbing. Yeah, you don't want to back up in the plumbing and structural elements all need to be updated. I'm sure it's an extension of what they've been doing on the temple. I mean, all those buildings have to go through um, uh, earthquake, get up to up to code on earthquake standards. But the loss of the rolls in Salt Lake oh, City. <laughs> so I haven't had them in years because I haven't been there, but uh, they are they are amazing, amazing rolls. Well, so the Lion House has been closed for a couple of years. Uh, oh, has it? Yeah, the bee, yeah, it's been closed since 2020. The Beehive House will close in April of next year, and then renovations to the Joseph Smith Memorial Building will begin next year. And, and, and so this is bigger, I think, than, um, than I think that maybe we recognize. The Joseph Smith Memorial Building is that large, tall, massive— Are they going to turn it back into a hotel? Yeah, it's going back to the <laughs> Hotel Utah. They can't decide. They keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But uh, it is it it's going to be largely closed. There, it's home to restaurants. The Legacy Theater there is on the on the uh, bottom floor. Uh, there's chandelier stained glass. The building originally the Hotel Utah that was finished back in 1911. Um, what movie are they playing currently in the Legacy Theater? Do you know? Uh, it is yes. It is, um, shoot, no, maybe I don't. Maybe let's, I don't. Let's look it up. I will look yeah. it up. Yes, please. Uh, they uh, they also, uh, in this article, talk about the Beehive House, which was built in 1856, was also a young family home. It had 26 bedrooms to accommodate Brigham Young's family. 26-bedroom home. And all of these, of course, going to be uh, closed, renovated, brought back to code. I'm telling you what, a couple of years, five years. Looks like now? the Legacy Theater is currently closed, so nothing is playing in it. Okay. So we need to get downtown, is what I'm learning from this story. And I and when I typed it in, apparently there's uh the center point legacy theater. <laughs> sure, sure. That's up in Davis County. Yeah, they're they're gonna be doing uh, uh Please tell She me. Loves Me and Disney's Newsies and oh, good. Anyway, sorry. A mighty fine life, carrying the banner through it all. Since we're talking about uh, buildings that are being shut down and or renovated and or bulldozed, uh, those that live in the state of Utah, I just thought this was curious, and I'll make just a brief note of it because I know most of the people that listen to the Cultural Hall actually not Utah people. Um, But up on Foothill Boulevard in Salt Lake, there is a massive Boy Scouts building. Um, It is 
Uh, made out of a lot of Boy Scouts. Yeah, it, yeah, they took Boy Scouts and piled them on top of each other. No, it's a three-pronged building built in 1970. Uh, it was vacated back in 2020. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints owns the land which it is on. And um, I, I think it's fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, previous to the church's pullout, the Boy Scouts of America counted 7,200 troops in Utah. That doesn't surprise me. By January 2020, there were only 110. Wow. That I thought was significant. The land that uh, the building is uh, part of is valued at $2.5 million by the county assessor, and it's right up there by the University of Utah. My thinking is, is that the church will donate it um, to some sort of facet of the University of Utah or sell it that way. Uh, the thing that so I would now the scouts are only those who want to be in the scouts. Right, right. And my and my thinking is when we talk about what they should do with the land, I think that they should sell the land, and I think that they should give a small portion to everyone who had to do the scouting, you know, the scouting pledges that had to do that. Oh yeah, word, that ward call. Scout is trustworthy, loyal. No, 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 no. The guy in the ward who had to go and, oh, and raise the walk money. around and actually yeah. get the money from people. Yep. That's I right. Think that That's all of those right. people who were called to that calling should get a small portion of the proceeds. That is a terrible calling. I'm glad I never had it. My dad had it, and it was the worst. And he is the most faithful person in the world. What he would end up doing is he, and this is a true story, he would end up going and talking to everyone, getting as much as he could from the people in the ward, and then donating the rest and just being, oh. you know what, my time is worth it. I'll just donate the money. It's a tax write-off, you know, being able to do it that way. But he just was like, I'm not going, I'm not begging for these friends of scouting is what it's called. Yeah, friends of scouting. Yeah, that, I'd rather just say that the scout motto. Yeah. Well, it's true. Have I ever told you about my uh, lack of Eagle Scout? Uh, uh, we have talked about it because I have empathized. I also not an Eagle Scout. That's right. We have. As far as, as but far I'm as only stars. one. One. I was only one. Mer I had my Eagle Project done and, uh, and everything. I just didn't have the communications merit badge. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. And now look at you communicating like a regular communicator and no you know you don't you don't get to demand a meeting with the president because you're not an eagle nope. scout. nope i'm not, not an you. eagle scout not, not me what other story did you have so talking about uh renovations and buildings and stuff but outside of utah the festival mm -hmm. after after renovating the mesa temple the festival of lights have have not been down there um in mesa for five years and this will be the first year that it ha it will return. So my guess is it already has. It started November 25th. Yeah, there you go. December 31st from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. I'm glad you read the article that I gave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fest, yeah, the Festival of Lights. So that's great. I mean, that's a beautiful. Have you ever been to the Mesa? I haven't. I haven't been to the lights at the Mesa. It is. It is. It rivals Salt Lake City um, and maybe exceeds it in places just because um salt lake city is 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 kind of contained what it is what it is this is larger because the, mm -hmm. the grounds are a little larger and there's a lot more to look at i think and so it's i think that it, i think you could go back and forth of who has better lights between mm. mesa and, and salt lake and it is that good and so for those mesa utah temples it's probably uh mesa utah patron temple patrons and others in mesa utah mesa arizona it, did I say Utah? Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. Man, I'm I was really trying good. to figure it out. I'm this like, is why I didn't get the communications merit badge. I'm like, is there a Mesa, Utah? No, there's yeah. not. Uh, but yeah, the Mesa, Arizona, um, uh, uh, for those people in Mesa, Arizona, I'm sure it's 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 wonderful to have it back because it is beautiful. We've been down there several times. Uh, they have 150 uh, international nativities at the Mesa Temple Visitor Center. Uh, their mission is to humbly and worthily create sacred Christmas displays in music and lights, which reflect the beauty and integrity of the temple, inviting all people to feel Christ's spirit. And there's a team of nearly 100 committee members that put this thing together. Pretty crazy. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. So if you get a chance to go, if you're in the Phoenix area and want to drive out to Mesa, please do. Do you have your Google box still open? My Google box. I have it. Yep. I need you to look up Ann Madsen, the cultural hall. Well, I share this. So 
a while back, we had Ann Madsen here in the cultural hall. Uh, that's Truman Madsen's wife, the late episode 151. It is episode 151, and you can go and uh, hear Ann Madsen talk about uh, Truman's work, talk about her work. Uh, Ann recently turned 90 years old and passed away. Oh, wow. Passed At the same time? In her sleep. Uh, she turned 90 on the 27th of September, and she passed on the 26th of October. I didn't know this. Wow. Um, but she is a, an amazing, tremendous uh example of just like enduring to the end um the episode that i did with her is one of my favorite if i had to say maybe top 10 episodes uh you can go back and listen to that um but but you know love to her and her family and and a good long life led and just i i was amazed that i didn't hear more about that that it wasn't a bigger deal because she was a luminary in the uh you know in our uh in our community. And it, it seems like that sort of slid under the radar, or maybe I completely missed it, but um, go back and check out that episode. Uh, episode 151. We'll leave a link for it in the show notes. What else do you have, sir? So up in BYUI, some instructors were recently fired because they, they didn't pass their ecclesiastical clearance. And the, 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 the troubling thing for them is they don't really understand why they don't have a really good explanation. Yeah. So the, so, Lindsay Call Larson Call, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, had just wrapped up uh, her her contract with Brigham Young University, and then she found out they were it wasn't going to be renewed, and it was because of an ecclesiastical clearance from the new office of ecclesiast uh, of the ecclesiastical clearance office. For, um, and and then when she tried to find out what's going on, because I guess someone from the school called who really didn't have anything to do. I just, just HR well, and just informed her. Yeah. Hey, and, you know what? We're not renewing your contract yep. just so you know. And it's because of your ecclesiastical endorsement. Yep. And then referred her to her bishop. And then so she went to her bishop going, okay, hey, what was this? And um, bishop didn't understand why either. But it, it seems as they dig deep in there, some, some, some little issues with LGBTQ issues is what they think might might have been. She, I guess, she had mentioned some concerns she had to the bishop in passing in the hallway, something like that. But she said, "I'll work it out. I'll figure this out. It'll be good." And the 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 bishop did put something in there about that. I and that's the only thing they can con conceive of anyway. Mm -hmm. It may not be what it is, but it may the only thing they conceive of conceive of that could be the case. It's hard to know, um, and it's hard to. Hard to explain yourself when it just gets shut down and you don't have any recourse other than you lose your job. It's kind of tough. Right. So uh, a, a fascinating and 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 the other uh, gentleman's story, similar, right? He didn't know um, you can appeal this and, and then be able to get your job back potentially. And she was asked, you know, is she going to do that? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And the reason why, and I don't blame her, is if you can lose your job following the rules and doing the things that you are asked to do and not have any sort of like explanation to you, that is an unsafe place to walk back into employment wise. Yeah. And, it, it makes me never want to work for the church in any form at all. And, and just because it, it leaves me in a position of not being able to express a concern I have, mm -hmm. the concern that I'm, I will likely work through and have worked through many times but just expressing that concern could get you fired. It feels it anyway from this story. Right. So, I mean, the couple of takeaways for me that I think are detrimental to the to uh, church employees, but certainly at, at a whole. So people can check the box as far as that goes, because that's what an ecclesiastical endorsement is. And then they can still be fired and not told why. That That's that's concerning. Yeah, yeah that that to me, that to me, I, I don't I don't love that. And then the second thing is it's like they hired the people who did the BYU honor code to, to handle this. Sure. And and then to your point too is if I say I worked for the church still and I hear this story and I hear that you know this woman passed her ecclesiastical endorsement but she shared concerns with her bishop, you know what I'm never doing? Sharing, Sharing. concerns with yeah, my yeah. bishop. Ever. That's exactly my point is that I it, it means that if I work for the church, I won't ever have the opportunity to share with someone who may help me through it because I would lose my job because of it. Yeah. You know, because I got to pay mortgage yeah, and, and tithing. 
Yeah, and that's and that's the difficult thing about I think about when and, and the church can do it. I'm not saying that they can't, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't do no. those things. But I think that that is the difficult thing when your employment and or your life, your mortgage, your medical, your all of those things are contingent on, you know, uh, on that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, on that, on that temple recommend now for our new hires on the ecclesiastical endorsement for those that are from the past that, I mean, that, that isn't by any means, uh, the reason why I left BYU, but that was a hard thing for me to go. Okay. So if I'm struggling or, you know, maybe I made some sort of poor, terrible choice, I have to hide this because if I, if I speak to like religious you know, ecclesiastical, um, you know, help to try and get through this. I could not be able to support my family. You know, I, I can, I can, I can take the devil's advocate on this in the sense that, um, uh, you know, I, I can see that they need to hold a, a high standard for church sure. employees. I absolutely see that. And all it means to me is that I personally, um, because, because I, I think I, I, I like to, try to understand um hard things and address them so that i don't have issues later when they kind of sideswipe me i i'd like i'd rather go through the the option of of questioning and having that option as opposed to working for the church and not feeling like i could express myself that way and then and having that issue so that's per my personal thing it's sure. not that i think people shouldn't work for the church just you just need to understand what that means well, and but I think that that's the hard thing, because, you know, if we if we recognize that you know repentance is possible, that the atonement can change people's hearts and those things, but you have such a hard line of this is how I feel right now. Let me share that. That's not conducive with you teaching right now. Like that doesn't feel very merciful. That doesn't feel very gracious. That feels very neither of those things. And I just, I I think that I think that. Uh, unfortunately the takeaway will be that uh anyone um who's kind of looking around going oh oh i i may have said something years ago about for example in this instance the lgbtq um members of the church am i next hmm. am i going to be the one who you know gets released from their job next am i the, am i the chopping block and I know, like you say, the other side would say, well, don't think that. Well, don't feel that. You shouldn't have said that in the first place if you think that you might get. But I, and I disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah, you should be able to think that stuff. And because that's how you work through through right. that stuff. Right. Right. But I think I think that this removes that space for people to be able to work through things, to be able to have issues, to be able to find their way kind of through it. So a uh, couple more stories real quick. Uh the uh, Michael Adam Davis, we've followed this story from the beginning. The former leader in the Kasson or Kaysen Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Uh, he was found guilty of two counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct, two counts of second-degree criminal sexual conduct, and one count of indecent exposure in front of a minor. Uh, he was accused using his position in the church to secure access to a boy after which he used gifts and games to manipulate the witness into silence for a period of time during and after the results. He has to pay also $1,300 in restitution and will receive credit for the days he's already served, which is two thirds of a year, but 29 more years for that former LDS leader. Uh, do you have a couple, what do you have left? I, I have nothing left. Okay, okay. Let me do this. Uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to learn more about their family history through genealogy tests, they can compile the research and categorize it now as tax deductible. Wow. So you're 23 and me. You want to buy that? You're using it for your genealogical research? Boom. Tax deductible. Tax deductible. Done. Yep. Well, isn't there another story about um, how that benefited a family um, in well, Utah there? Are you teasing the story or are you just going? To... I'm asking you because I figured you had it. I don't have that, but. Oh, I can find it. Yeah, do it. I was I'll reading it. it. You do that and I'll find this other story. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting that now as we reach December, it is uh, the hashtag light the world time. 
Uh, hashtag like the world whenever you want to share something on social media. And there's a great list that the folks that um, are behind the Light the World initiative have put together. 50 ideas to share light. And I love that they're just simple, easy things that you can do. I'll give you a small sampling. Um, one, laugh with a friend. Two, call someone that you miss. Three, carry an extra snack for someone in need. Yes, please. Someone carry a snack for me. Uh, four, send a homemade Christmas card to a friend. Five, plan some one-on-one -on -one time with a loved one and just be able to, to like the world. That's five of 50 that they have prepared for you. You can also text um, the word light. I wish I had the number right in front of me, but we shared that in the last articles of news. You can text the word light or go to lighttheworld.org if you need more suggestions. All right. Share okay, got it. Yep. I got it. So this is Mormon or LDS church adjacent, I guess, because it's we're talking DNA, 23andMe. Mm -hmm. um, but after five decades, one of the oldest missing person cases in Utah was solved due to simply 23andMe and, and um, connecting family that way. Uh, the Highsmith family announced on Sunday that our finding Melissa was purely because of DNA. So Melissa Highsmith found her family through the, D the DNA match. And um, not because of any police or FBI involvement, but strictly um, strictly through DNA. And what they said is DNA wins this search. And so they've been, uh, I guess Melissa was abducted as a child. I'm trying to find the age, but it's been 50, what did I say? It was 51 years mm -hmm. um, that they've been separated. And so... There's a, a great picture. So this is on the Deseret News. Um, and there's a great picture of her and her sister standing next to each other. Um, and she was, uh, she oh, she ran away. She says, I didn't feel loved as a child. I, it was abusive and I ran away at 15 years old. I went to the streets and I did what I needed to do to get by. And so it wasn't an objection. I apologize. It was she ran away and then she has not, they have not had any contact for all that time. Highsmith is now 53 and is finally getting to know her family. We still have so much Wonderful news, story. but we didn't get there. Uh, I would just leave this, and then we'll have your uh, hear him, and then we'll roll into the temple ticker. Uh, this Sunday, uh, it is the first presidency Christmas message. Great Ooh, music, yay. a great tradition to be able to help you get into the holiday season, or maybe you're light in the world. You want to invite someone to do it. It's typically a pretty high-level uh, kind of Christian message. It's not it's not normally a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints intensive message. So a great way, hey, you know what? Come on over. My church is doing a thing on TV. You can have a meal. We'll have delicious treats. We'll sugar frost some cookies. But we won't eat them all too quick because otherwise we'll find ourselves dumping. Did I That's use it right? right? Did I use dumping that? syndrome. Yeah. You, dumping syndrome. That's right. I almost got it. Uh, so we, we will do the uh, the hear him. Thank you for uh, for being with me, Mr. Mayor. You're welcome. The Christmas season brings an array of songs we can sing to help us enjoy the fun and frivolity of the holiday, such as Jingle Bells, Winter Wonderland, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, Here Comes Santa Claus, and many others. And others remind us of why we celebrate Christmas and help us focus on the story of the Nativity, the mission of Jesus, and serving our fellow humans. Of such is the story of Cantique de Noel, or in English, O Holy Night. In 1847, Placide Capau, I'm probably butchering that name and I apologize, was traveling to Paris by stagecoach when he read the book of Luke. His local parish priest asked him to write a poem about the Savior's birth. It was a strange request because Placide was an atheist and a socialist. But as he read the story and considered the request, he penned the request, he penned what we what he called Minuit Charitien. Okay, I butchered that too. I apologize. The poem moved him so deeply that he asked a friend, Adolf Charles Adam, to set the, the words to music. Adam was not a Christian either, but it was of the Jewish faith. The song and poem were first performed together on Christmas Eve just three weeks later. The song Cantique de Noël enjoyed widespread popularity at first and was loved by the French people. However, the Catholic Church banned the song when the author and composer's background came, backgrounds came to light, causing it to fall into public obscurity. But despite the ban, the song continued to be sung in private Christmas observances by some of, some of France's citizens. 
an American, John Sullivan Dwight, who believed all enslaved people should be freed and treated as humans, translated O Holy Night into English and introduced a song to the United States. The song fits his ideals, especially the lines that read in, that read in English, Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. From that time forward, O Holy Night continues to grow in popularity and is now one of the most cherished hymns of Christmas. The Master himself taught, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Matthew 5, verse 3 through 9. BestDJinUtah.com is a website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC Laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. That's a great way we love hearing from you. You can find us on all the social medias at the Cultural Hall. It is time for the Temple Ticker. The mustache is in rare form this morning. Um, Mr. Corey K. Ward. You like it? Yeah. Are you, have you ever, you seem to me, uh, and uh, I mean, we don't know each other very well. We talk temples, but we don't typically talk through the week and, and talk about ladies or great places that we've eaten. But you strike me as someone that maybe could get really into um, like mustache formations. Like you've researched the wax that allows you to curl it up on the sides like a vaudeville character. Am I accurate or is that a miss? Is that a miss uh, on my end? Uh, yeah, maybe. I ha- I tried to put hair gel in it for a while, but it just kind of got messy. And I just discovered just hair conditioner. It's probably the best. Okay. <laughs> I I know wax. They actually say full blown wax if you're going to go for like the uh, the thing. That's the way to do it. I'm still technically a BYU student, so they I have to have my mustache at the corners of the mouth. So I try Is to keep it, it a little bit chim. Yeah, that's on the honor code okay. grooming guidelines. So it's countdown for wax in the mustache. <laughs> that's right. I I I see, and and for me, I thought that the mustache and the honor code, I thought that was the Wild West, right? Where it's like, we won't let you have beards, but you can be Mr. Mustachio if you would like. <laughs> no, the L I mean. There's not many places where it's enforced, but I suppose if I went to the testing center or the gym, they may question the length. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, how do they do that? Because I've heard about like the cotton ball and the beard. Do they take the comb and put it underneath your nose and go, nope, too long. It's too long. <laughs> I don't know. I would be curious to know if you if you can find out the next time we do the temple ticker, we'll take a quick thing. We'll call it the mustache moment. I would love to know the. Uh, the uh how they test that particular length that's not what you're here to talk about let's talk temples yeah um so before we get into some of the specific news items that came up in the past week the uh church news released an article um over the past few months they've been interviewing leadership councils in the church and they released one called inside church headquarters the location Mm -hmm. design and construction of latter-day saint temples so this is a um an interview with the presiding bishopric they talked to him outside of the Leighton Utah Temple, which is under construction right now, nearing completion, though. 
Um, but they talked about some of the processes that happen to select uh, locations and sites for temples. And so the first thing that they they say is that the first presidency outlines criteria for determining where temples should be built. And they said, including members within the area and the distances they travel. So but then, that, but that's got to vary because, you know, <laughs> like the members that are in the Leighton area are way different than, you know, those that are in like Russia and both have a, t- a temple announced. Yeah, that's why that's why they said including those things. Ah. I'm sure there's other things too that ah. they just don't mention. Okay. <laughs> so they use that criteria and they make suggestions to the first presidency where the temples shall be built. And then the first presidency makes the final determination. And now, it, says that, it says that there are two members of the quorum of the 12. Do we know who those two members of the quorum are? <laughs> they rotate every okay. like two or three years. Um, I think Elder Benar is still on the temple committee, but they don't really publish when they all these assignments. I like the idea, and I know this isn't how it is, and it's not very spiritually informed, but I like the idea that they, you know, because they meet together right before general conference, I like the idea that they put all the different assignments in a hat, and then everyone draws out, goes, <laughs> ah, temple, you know, missionary, uh, correlation, guys, does anyone want to trade? Like a secret Santa there going around going, come on, I did correlation last time. Does anybody else want to do? I love it, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wish that that's how it was. <laughs> um, well, the presiding bishopric has something called a special projects department. Okay. So sometimes you see this on uh, uh, approval documents for temples. So maybe special projects started as a euphemism for just kind of a code word for temple, but now it's out in the open that special projects is the temple. Well, um, and, and sort of anecdotally, I have a friend who uh, all his job is, is he travels around and tries to find sites for temples. So like he, he, we've announced one in Connecticut. Okay, well, here's a great land parcel here. This is what's great about this. This is what the cost is. Like that's what his job is. Yeah, and they in this article, they said that in most cases, once the location and site have been identified, the temple is announced by the first presidency to the public, usually in general conference. And so you had this question last week, is that when there's a temple announced, do they already have a site in mind? Mm-hmm. Or do they just are announcing their intentions to find a site? So this makes it seem like in most cases, they do try and find a site, specific site where they can build it. And then they'll go ahead with the announcement. Hmm. Hmm. So the special uh, projects department is in charge of like the design and then the construction. And then um, it's handed off to the temple department after that. Was there anything in this article, this kind of in-depth, uh, you know, to the behind the temples that surprised you or things that you went, oh, I didn't know that. Or they have finally confirmed what I already knew, but had never really said out loud. Yeah, they talked about um, we've seen as they release temple designs that they have kind of the base. They have four or five or six kind of basic uh, plans. They're calling those core plans. They say that um, because they have these core plans, they've reduced the um, time it constructs or times to plan and design temples from about 18 months down to six or seven months. Wow. So, um, but like they said, even though they have all these core plans, they um, do their best to make each temple unique on the exterior and interior with the finishes. And they have themes and that are, um, I guess, consistent with the culture of the area. Hmm. Hmm. Another thing that they confirmed, we've seen in the desert news this already, but the, they have um, some rooms that have flexible plans, those rooms that can be used to either present the endowment or used as a ceiling room. Which, which in my mind, again, and maybe I'm like a child this way, but I like the idea in my mind's eye that it's like a wall that they can flip around and then it's like, no, now we're <laughs> in a different room. When I, when I served my mission, I was in a, uh, a city just on the, uh, what is that? The west side of Cleveland called Lakewood. And that's how our apartment was. When we used to have like our main room, you could have just the main, you know, kind of studio room, like it's the dining room, or it could be just a big open room, but the walls pivoted and you could rotate them around. And on the other side was a mirror and drawers. And so you could have that be a bedroom if you flipped it around that way. It was, it was awesome. And I wish the temple could be that way where it's like, guys, celestial room, I mean, that's what they say that the Kirtland Temple was originally. They had like canvas partitions, yes. right? Yes. And then yes. they presented the in the St. George Temple. It was a lot like the Kirtland Temple where they just had a big hall and they presented the endowment in those like partitions. Mm-hmm. And later on, they built the rooms for the um, for the ordinances. But yeah. And now the uh, the uh, 
Did you see the Elon Musk bought the Kirtland Temple thing this <laughs> last week? I ran across my headlines. Yeah, yeah. funny, funny. That's, uh, that's that's a terrible tangent that I don't even want to go down. He didn't, <laughs> everyone. Spoiler, but it, it's worth checking, and I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. Uh, anything else that with this article that you were like, oh, that's interesting, that's unique. Ah, uh, that's about it. Um, I guess we could talk about in the San Juan Puerto Rico temple opened this past week, and it is one of these temples that has those um those flex rooms. So mm-hmm. if you look at the pictures of the interior, you see that um I can I can see how these rooms can can go back and forth between these two ordinances which to me just makes good sense like all jokes aside i think it just makes sense if you're if you don't have gobs of people that you need to have a a certain room designated why wouldn't you make the most out of that space yeah um so the san juan puerto rico temple opened um to tours and media tours this past week so it's one of the smallest temples of the church just under seven thousand square feet Hmm. if you remember the temple in guam that we uh, was dedicated last or this year early this year um it's basically the same design but it has those unique um elements to it that make it um kind of a spanish colonial special to uh, puerto rico they even said that the spire on the temple is inspired by the towers that are found on the city hall in san juan well that's cool i like that we do that that particular like keep it to the community of which it's in i think that's important yeah and they um, unlike other temples, they emphasize the church's humanitarian efforts in Puerto Rico over the past few years, over the many hurricanes and earthquakes that have happened on the island. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool blessing for the people, for, for the saints down there, though, now to have that there, right there, as opposed to uh, what, what would they travel to before? Uh, um, either the Dominican Republic or like uh, Fort Lauderdale, because it's yeah. you don't need to have a passport to go to Florida. So, huh. Yeah. Uh, all, uh, a huge thing in Temple News happened right after we recorded the last time. That's right. If you remember, I said that any day now, the Salta Argentina Temple could receive its Angel Moroni, which I think probably within a few hours of us discussing that, it happened on Thanksgiving Day. Because in Argentina, they, they're still working down there. They don't take the day off on Thanksgiving, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this didn't even come across my radar start. until Saturday. They don't celebrate in Argentina when the pilgrims <laughs> landed and shared a first Thanksgiving dinner. Interesting. Okay. That's right. So it happened on Thanksgiving, but then it, I didn't even see the pictures until Saturday. So it was kind of anticlimactic for me because I'm like, that's the, the last angel Moroni to be placed and just kind of got brushed away in the news. Uh, and then you break down. I love this. Uh, the angel Moroni stats. I love this. Let's go into this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So if you count all the temples that have an angel Moroni, there are 170. So even including the one in Salt Lake, which doesn't, it's taken off right now, but all indications are that they'll replace it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 170. So we know that there's 300 temples total announced. Um, but currently, I think there's only like 15 with that are dedicated without the Moroni on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pro Temple stated to be renovated um, slash reconstructed. And when they do that, they'll take the Angel Moroni off and they won't replace it. So that will be about 169. Mm-hmm. So um, in total, all temples that won't have a Moroni right now that are confirmed are 69 that are under construction or dedicated. That's 29%, almost 30% of all temples don't have an angel Moroni. And if all 300 of these temples get built, then we'll be about 44% without an angel Moroni. Hmm. When are we going to talk about it? When will they address this? When (laughs) will we speak to the fact that it's not Moroni's temple, so we don't have Moroni on the temple anymore? This general conference, what say you, Corey K. Ward? Like I said, I don't think they want to address it in a public setting. So. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, groundbreaking in Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Managua, Nicaragua. Um, Taylor G. Godoy of the Area Presidency there in Central America um, on November 26th uh, presided over the groundbreaking. And so this is the first temple in Nicaragua announced back in 2018. And some of the notable people that were there, Jennifer Lopez. I guess was there. She said, now, my parents have Jennifer Lopez. Well, this is what she said. She said, my parents have taught me to stay true to the covenants I have made. Um, so I think probably this is a youth, I would say, not okay. the Jennifer Lopez. But I um, like the idea of saying that Jennifer Lopez was there. J-Lo herself said, my parents <laughs> have taught me to stay true to the covenants I've made. I'm taking that. I'm rolling with it. Yeah, there's also a pioneer there, uh, Silviano uh, Roberto Garcia. Uh, as a child, 44 years ago, he traveled all the way to Mesa, Arizona uh, with his family. 
And then he later regularly traveled to Guatemala City. So this is Temple's a long time coming for him. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and and no idea. I mean, it's it has been ground brook, but we don't know uh, like when it's opening or anything like that. That's a long ways off. Two or three years. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, you mentioned that the San Juan Puerto Rico temple uh, has now been uh, begun. It's the media and, and then uh, regular saints being able to roll through. Smaller, the same as Guam, but other things uh, worth noting. Yeah, I really like the the blue-green uh, windows in the art glass. You see they use something called a quarfoil, quarterfoil, which you see in a lot of um, Spanish uh, like cities and architecture. And then... Um, there's also this like cool leaf called the Spanish scroll that's on the walls. So, uh, and then there was a, a an article that came out this week that's like announcing six temple sites, and yep. uh, uh, and and to me, I went, wait, don't we do this in general conference? And it's just like, oh no, these are the sites that they're going to be. So let's run these down. Yeah, first one we have Wellington, New Zealand. Um, this is going to be a, about a three and a half acre site in north of Wellington in a place called Porua. Oruya, I guess. It's about 900 feet from the harbor, so kind of close there to the coastline. Cool. It's be a, two st- a two-story temple of about 15,000 square feet. And then we move to Bolivia, and this is this seems like a large temple. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just ignorant about it, but 29,000 square feet in Bolivia? Yeah, we talked about those core plans that the church has. This is probably the most common plan that they've used over the past couple of years. In Santa Cruz, Bolivia, it will be uh, yeah, single-story, 29,000 square feet. Um, this is, I looked at the site right now, it's just like an engineering construction business. So hmm. I'm there in, in Northern Santa Cruz. And then we moved to Brazil for most of the rest of these. Yeah. I've got three of the temple sites, um, announced in, uh, Brazil. First one in Londrina, um, a nice open field there kind of South of the city center. Um, a little bit larger, 32,000 square feet, single story, but probably kind of the same core plan. And then came out. Uh, Preto, say you say it. Uh, Brazil. There's also a nice city block and kind of a posh neighborhood, mm. I would say. Um, but same size, exact same size. And then Santos, Brazil. This is just south of São Paulo. Um, this is the they said the site of the stake center there. So I guess they're going to tear down the stake center and build a, a two-story, twenty-three thousand square foot temple. And then we travel to Taiwan. Taiwan, Kaohsiung, Taiwan. Um, there's also a in front of the meeting house there, there's a about a one and a half acre site. Um, this will be a little bit smaller, single story, 10,900 square foot. So about the the Helena, uh, a little bit more, a little bit larger than Puerto Rico, but kind of the same idea. And then uh, the stuff with Temple Square, when I was talking with Andrew just a little bit ago, we talked a lot about the Beehive House, the Lion House and the Joseph Smith Memorial Building all mm. to be uh closed and then reopened in 2025 which i'm telling you what that makes temple square the destination for 2025 Corey k ward you know there's going to be a a a parties and and i'm i'm betting the longest mark this now what we're three years out that will be the longest temple open house of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints will be the salt lake temple and i'm saying and i'll go even further over a million people will make their way through the uh, Salt Lake Temple. Yeah, I, I would say that's uh, uh, maybe even an underestimate. I don't know. It depends how Over long. Two because million people. <laughs> we know that they anticipate the Saratoga Springs Temple to have a, a, a big demand because they're having a three-month open house. Sure, sure. So, sure. I mean, what's the demand for this? Six months? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Let's go further. Let's. This will be a fun thing. We'll be able to go back in in the future. Back to this episode. I'm gonna say. Let me go one step further. I'm gonna say it'll be. Uh, let me think about how many months that would be. I'm gonna say it's going to be 20 weeks, and we're gonna have 1.3 million people through the temple. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Make it happen, will you? Well, well, you're you're the one that knows the guy in the special projects department. Okay, well, it's it's only called special projects because we wanted to be vague. (laughs) Corey, we uh, hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you were sick or otherwise afflicted, that you'll be able to be here next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. 
on the back row of, of the, the cultural, cultural hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the cultural hall show. Ow!